Hello and welcome to the Beyond Biotech podcast number 61. I'm Jim Cornell and this is the weekly Le Biotech podcast and here we are in September. I actually forgot to mention that two weeks ago I saw the first Christmas candy in the stores and now you can already get 2024 calendars. And this week Halloween candy is in the stores so products from a December event in the stores before an October one. Maybe time to stock up for Valentine's Day. So here we are on September the 1st and it was on this day in the 15th century that the world's first copyright was given out in Venice and a day later the world's first copyright lawsuit was filed. Actually I did make that lawsuit bit up but I wonder if there are more copyrights or more copyright lawsuits filed. Today is also Ginger Cat Appreciation Day And there are national days in Slovakia and Uzbekistan, if we have any listeners there. It's also Tofu Day and World Letter Writing Day. And so in its honour, I wrote down the letter G. I'm not sure if that's what it meant, though. It is also College Colours Day, so time for everyone to go pull out an old college shirt that no longer fits. For me, those colours are dark red, black and green, a wonderful colour combination. I remember the other times that I graduated, you had to wear the colours of the first university you graduated from. So everyone was in different colours and it looked a bit weird, really. I wonder if that's still the rule or if that's just in the UK. I suspect that we will get some emails to clarify that. Definitely always nice to hear from listeners. And of course, you can also check out all of the latest news and articles at lebiotech.eu. And that brings us to today's theme and guest. As we're now into September, it is Blood Cancer Awareness Month. So today we're looking at blood cancer and potential new treatments. And to do that, we've invited Affemed's CMO, Andreas Haastrich, to talk about blood cancers and what Affemed is doing to tackle them. It's Blood Cancer Awareness Month. I wonder, what do you think the general awareness is like for blood cancers? It's a difficult question because if you ask people, um, have you ever heard of blood cancer? I think most people will say, yeah, I, I've heard something. But then if you go a little bit deeper and say, okay, do you really understand what blood cancer is and what types of cancer belong to this big group of blood cancer? I think there's, there's not a much of in-depth knowledge about the different forms of blood cancer, which we have to recognize that with the blood cancer, we, we summarize roughly 100 different diseases. So it's it's probably more on, on the surface, but it's not a very deep knowledge that, that most people have. Do you think that awareness events such as Blood Cancer Awareness Month are important in improving that knowledge? Yeah, I think it gives us an opportunity to talk about the different forms of blood cancer, talk a little bit about the common things uh, that all blood cancers um, have in common, but also talk about the differences, make people aware what different forms of blood cancer exist and how symptoms may look like, and then also help them understand what different treatment options are available and where they can get help or or counseling in case that they or somebody they know are affected with blood cancer. You mentioned that there are around 100 different kinds. I wonder if you could give us a bit of an overview of some of those different types of blood cancer and perhaps 
if you have any, then uh, some of the stats related to the survival rates and uh, and how many people are affected, that kind of thing. It's a very heterogeneous group of different cancers. And first question is why why do we even lump them together if they are so different? And the commonality is that uh, these are cancers that arise from cells that are normally found in, in our blood to the vast majority white blood cells. I think we have three different main types of blood cancer. One is leukemia, which probably everybody has heard of. But even in leukemia, we have very different forms, whether it's an acute leukemia, which is almost immediately life-threatening, or whether it's a more chronic leukemia that can really live with the patients for a year. Then we have lymphomas, uh, which originate from certain subtypes of white blood cells. uh, And unlike leukemia, which usually starts in the blood and in the bone marrow, these lymphomas can start as local lumps or local swelling of lymph nodes. But as the origin is still a blood cell, we summarize them under, under blood cancers. And the third major form is uh, multiple myeloma, which again arises from a very specialized white blood cells. So the white blood cells that usually is responsible for producing antibodies to fight infections. As said, uh, these cancers have a very different prognosis, very different outcome. Uh, if we go to acute leukemia, which is the most prevalent uh, type of leukemia in Western countries and often affects uh, even younger adults or children, here uh, we have occasional cures, but survival rates are still very poor, with less than 50% of patients surviving five years. In lymphomas, we have very different kinds of lymphomas. If diagnosed early, and this brings us back to blood cancer awareness month, so if it's localized to one or two lymph nodes, these lymphomas can be cured uh, to a large extent with radiotherapy or chemotherapy. If they are more advanced, uh, still chemotherapy or systemic therapy in as a whole can cure some of these lymphomas, but still many patients will ultimately relapse and die from their lymphoma. Multiple myeloma, a disease that is always diagnosed in advanced stage, so it is already affecting the whole body, uh, can initially be successfully treated with systemic treatment, either signal inhibitors or chemotherapy, uh, but still the majority of patients will relapse and die of this disease. Is diagnosis an issue when there are so many different kinds of cancers or blood cancers? Yeah, diagnosis can be quite difficult because often these blood cancers start with very few symptoms. We mentioned already the lymphomas, so these are the blood cancers that arise in the lymph nodes. And if this happens to be in a lymph node that is visible or can be touched like a neck lymph node or so, these cancers can be diagnosed relatively early by just detecting a swelling in, the, in these lymph nodes. If you go to leukemia, uh, this is a disease that affects uh, the production of all components of the blood. The symptoms are much less specific. Uh, what people often experience is a certain drop in their uh, physical ability or the ability to perform physical exercise. So you hear patients saying, well, I was running on my bicycle for 20 kilometers like twice a week and suddenly I'm getting exhausted after five kilometers and don't know why. Or if it's affecting uh, the blood platelets, which are 
responsible for wound healing. Patients may just report uh, that they have more bruises with even not an adequate trauma, but, but very unspecific signs. Some patients may be diagnosed because they have repeated infections indicating that their immune system somewhat is affected. I guess that must lead to challenges in different treatments for uh, blood cancer. Yeah, we have this subgroup of lymphomas that originate in a specific lymph node. And if diagnosed early, so if the disease only affects one or two different uh, lymph nodes, these uh, lymphomas are highly curable with radiotherapy and chemotherapy. All other types of blood cancer, especially the leukemias and the multiple myelomas, but also many forms of, of lymphoma, when detected late, have already affected the whole body. And therefore, only treatments that uh, also address the whole body system can uh, be effective against these cancers. The mainstay of therapy currently is still chemotherapy which can be quite effective in some cases, but is associated with some significant side effects. And in more recent years, we have made significant advances in understanding the pathway, the biochemical uh, characteristics that drive these cancers. So for certain types of blood cancer, we can add specific inhibitors of certain pathways to treat these cancers. One, I think, inherent problem that all of these blood cancers have is that, as I said, they originate from cells, from white blood cells in the majority, which normal function is to fight infection, virus infection, bacterial infections, but also to fight cancers. And so in blood cancer, if you would allow lay terms, we have a situation where basically you almost dealing like a corrupt police organization where the, the, the guys that usually are meant to control cancer certainly have turned bad and become cancers themselves. So all of these patients have an impaired immune system, which makes it more difficult to treat certain uh, types of these cancers. We kind of touched on early diagnosis previously. Have there been any advances in that recently? Yeah, it always depends on how sensitive patients are and how well they control their body. If they come to see the doctor when the disease is already very far advanced, of course, early detection is not an option. So it depends a lot on the patients, whether they go to see the doctor regularly, whether they do uh, every now and then a blood count check, whether they are sensitive about small swellings in the lymph nodes and decide well, I better see a doctor and have it checked out rather than waiting too long. Where we have made advances is in detecting residual disease. So if we treat patients, the tumor may be completely gone, but we have developed more modern techniques to even detect small residual amounts of cancer, telling us that we need to continue treatment and that the patient is not yet cured. So I would say the major advances are more in the steering and, and uh, tailoring of treatment where modern techniques can help. Again, early diagnosis still depends an awful lot on the awareness of patients and how sensitive patients are about their own well-being and their own body. Could you tell me a little bit about your company and what you're doing to tackle hematological cancers? Yeah, so we, we are a company uh, that has developed very specific technology 
where we uh, are attempting to restore a certain part of the immune system and the immune function of the patient. We do this by activating the so-called innate immune system. And in our normal defense against cancers or infections, the innate immune system, the so-called natural killer cells, are the first barrier against um, any kind of harmful effects, including cancer. Now, what advanced cancers have developed, they have developed means to escape this immune uh, surveillance or this immune attack by by a variety of of mechanisms. And what our technology can provide is uh, basically a restoration of certain functions of this innate immune system so that natural killer cells are capable to recognize tumor cells, to attack these tumor cells, and to eradicate tumor cells. This can be done either by applying our technology as a single agent or can be done by applying our technology in combination with other immune stimulatory mechanisms that could either target the T cells or bring in additional natural killer cells to fight cancer. Could you tell me why you're at currently with clinical trials? Yeah, for if we focus on blood cancer, uh, we have two programs that are currently active. Uh, One molecule is called AFM13, is addressing uh, certain forms of lymphoma, mainly a subgroup called Hodgkin's lymphoma, but also some subtypes of so-called non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And we have a second program called AFM28, which is targeting acute myeloid leukemia. The treatments that you're working on, will they be applicable to diseases beyond blood cancers? Uh, The two specific molecules that I mentioned are really designed to tackle lymphomas or leukemia. However, our technology allows us to develop uh, molecules that are capable also of tackling, for example, solid tumors. And in fact, we have one active clinical program where we are treating patients with uh, lung cancer, colorectal cancer, or gastric cancer. However, the most advanced program right now is the lymphoma program where we have shown that, uh, especially when we combine our approach with natural killer cells, we can achieve complete responses in patients that have failed all other treatment options, and that we can do this in a very substantial amount of patients. In one of the trials that we conducted, uh, 70% of the patients, even though they had failed previous therapy, had a complete disappearance of their tumor manifestations applying our technology. Yeah, that's excellent news here. Can it be used as a monotherapy or is it always better used in combination with others? This really depends on the setting. We have seen uh, activity as a monotherapy. However, when we combine it, especially with the effector cells that are responsible to, to really attack the tumors, the natural killer cells, we have seen much better efficacy. So our current focus uh, when we talk about the lymphoma program is really to combine our AFM13, which is very specific, uh, the very unique activator of these natural killer cells, with natural killer cells that are derived from healthy donors to basically give the patient more, if you will, soldiers to fight the cancer. And this combination, as said, has been highly effective uh, eradicating or 
you know, reducing uh, the tumor of refractory patients, three quarters of these patients to, to non-detectable levels. And we are currently setting up uh, a multi-center phase two trial that should lead um, ideally to an approval of such therapy. So the NK cells and our AFM13 molecule. Could you tell me a little bit about how it's administered and whether it needs repeat administrations? Yeah, so the administration is you give a very short course of chemotherapy, not to fight the cancer, but to allow the natural killer cells, which obviously are not from the patient, but from a healthy donor to survive for a certain period of time. Then you have an infusion of our molecule, AFM13, followed by an infusion of these NK cells. This is done on a weekly basis, uh, usually can be done outpatient. And one cycle of therapy consists of four to six weeks of treatment. Then we have a treatment break. And our intention is to give three of these cycles. Again, this treatment is relatively well tolerated in our experience. As I said, in many settings can be done in an outpatient or setting and has the high potential to control these tumors. Have you done sort of follow-up studies to ensure that people are staying healthy, I guess? This is a very new technology, and we started our first clinical studies roughly three years ago. So the data that we have generated, we published the first time last year in December, where we showed that of roughly 40 patients with these refractory tumors, 71% had a complete disappearance of their tumor manifestation. Now, for some of these patients who were part of the early part of the study, we could also show that the tumor did not come back even after one year or longer of follow-up. This is not true for all patients, but for a substantial number of patients. Given the relatively new treatment, I think we have to follow patients a little bit longer to really make a statement on how durable these responses are. But as I said, the initial data are extremely encouraging uh, with a couple of patients approaching one and one and a half year of tumor-free status after this type of treatment. Are there any other current advances in treatments of blood cancer or different to the approach that you're taking? Yeah, I think in general, uh, attempts to activate the patient's own immune uh, defenses are probably, in my view, one of the most promising new avenues to fight these blood cancers. Our approach can be used across a wide variety of uh, blood cancers because the cells that we are using, the natural killer cells, can very well distinguish between normal tissue and tumor cells. So they are specifically attacking the tumor cells, but sparing the normal tissue. There is another type of immune cells called T cells, which are also highly effective. And there have been some approaches to engineer these T cells and give it to the patients. In certain tumor types, especially in B-cell lymphomas, this has been very, very effective, again, with complete responses and also long-lasting complete responses. However, these T-cell approaches have one uh, significant limitation, which is that the T-cell is not as good as the NK-cell to distinguish between normal tissue and tumor tissue. So activated T-cells will also attack normal tissue cells that may lead to significant side effects if some of the normal cells also express the antigen against which the T-cell is directed. 
So as far as both your company and what's happening generally, what would you say that the future holds for people suffering from blood cancers? Do you think it's something that can be either controlled or cured potentially? Yeah, and our ultimate goal, of course, is to cure as many patients with blood cancer as possible. And the early data that we have generated in uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, as, as I mentioned, uh, may point into this direction that cure is possible for some patients. We have seen the same with the T-cell approaches in other types of lymphoma with the limitations that, that I mentioned. We now have brought a drug into clinical development that could possibly do the same in acute myeloid leukemia. So I think as more as we learn how to use the patient's own immune system and augment this immune system where needed, we will see more and more patients who not only have long-lasting remissions, which is also important in these patients, but may also have the option really for cure. And that's great news. What's the um, timeline like from your company's perspective? Obviously, you can't be exact, but... Yeah, as I said, our lead product for lymphoma, Hodgkin's lymphoma, is now entering a study that uh, should, uh, if positive, result in approval of, of such drug. Here we're talking about timelines probably in the three to four year time frame. The leukemia drug is a little bit earlier, uh, but again, our ambition is really to make it available to patients as fast as possible. And of course, I cannot talk about uh, the other uh, developments. For the T-cell therapies that I briefly mentioned, there are a couple of them already approved and available for patients, but again, for other types of blood cancer. Is this something that uh, you'll be able to get approval for on a global basis? Where are you at in the approvals? Our attempt always is to make uh, these treatments uh, available as broadly as possible. For certain logistic reasons, we have started our development in the United States, as there is the most experience with this type of treatment. But our intention is clearly to also expand to other regions of the world like Asia or Europe or to make it available in as many countries as possible. Is there anything that you wanted to cover about the company or about the treatments that we haven't talked about? Again, important to understand that's a very novel, a very specific approach. The first and the most advanced approach to use the innate immune system, which is the natural killer cells, whereas many of the uh, historical developments have focused on the adaptive immune systems, on T cells. So I think our company is really adding a new pillar, if you will, or a new uh, mechanism of action to our armamentarium of, of anti-cancer treatments. And we are extremely excited about the early results and then really see patients with very advanced tumors suddenly being tumor-free, even though they had failed multiple lines of previous therapy. What's the reaction been like within the medical community to the fact that you're being able to achieve this? I think the uh, reaction in the medical community has been overwhelmingly positive. The data that I mentioned earlier that we generated in collaboration with uh, MD Anderson Cancer Center have been published at the probably most prestigious scientific conference for blood cancers last year. We are expecting to see an update of the data at the uh, leukemia uh, event this year. And we have multiple inquiries from uh, very prestigious academic sites to participate in our trials because they see what we can do and they're, they're very eager to put their patients on, on this novel type of treatment. Mm -hmm. 
Another really inspiring guest on the show this week. It's really heartening to know that there are so many people dedicating their lives to improve the lives of others. And what's more, while not every condition and disease has been cured, there have certainly been some amazing advances during our lifetimes. Let's hope 50 years from now some of these awareness days will be unnecessary. Next week's interview is already done and even edited. I need to get slightly ahead because I'm headed to an event later this month. Anyway, I hope wherever in the world you are that you have a great week ahead. Thanks for listening and you will join us next time for another Beyond Biotech. Beyond Biotech.